Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. It's big to me because A, they, they acknowledge the RAM, and B, I wonder what this huge RAM, again, this is all like implications of what iOS 15 is going to have in store. Like I feel that we are on the precipice of pro apps being announced in June at WWDC for iPad OS and new APIs for like big time, big app developers to start pushing out uh, premium apps and, and big boy apps for the iPad in a way that has never really been done before. Welcome to another episode of iPad Pros. This is a bit different of an episode that I recorded with Jeff Perry the night of Apple's April 20th event where they announced the new 5th generation iPad Pro 12.9s and the new 11 inches. So this is very fresh after the event happened the night of, so there may be new details that are coming up later in the week, but we dive into kind of what he's been up to since we last spoke on this podcast, as well as mostly just all about the new iPads and a little bit on the iMac and we kind of touch on a little bit uh, of pretty much all the different topics that uh, Apple shared in their big April 20th event. Before we get into this lengthy discussion about the April 2021 event, I wanted to share that I am looking at selling my 2020 iPad Pro. I really think it's important for me to stay up to date with hardware so I can discuss it on this podcast. So yeah, my 2020 iPad Pro in silver with one terabyte of storage and cellular is up for sale. Best Buy is selling these now for $1,550, and it does have the monthly Apple Care Plus that I believe is transferable. I am asking $1,250 shipped, which is $300 off Best Buy's asking price with no sales tax, and I'm looking to sell this to a listener if possible. It is in perfect condition, and yeah, looking to get the new iPad in this same configuration because of Apple charging $200 for the RAM to go from 512 to one terabyte now. It is now a $2,000 iPad for the same configuration for the 2021 model. So I'm asking $1,250 shipped. And if anyone is interested, please reach out to me, iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. Now onto this lengthy discussion with Jeff Perry all about this April 2021 event. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Jeff. Hey, it's good to be back, Tim. How have you been? It's been a minute since I've talked to you and, and been on the show. So how are things with you? Uh, doing great and uh, exciting week in iPad land, as we'll talk about. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I first want to just catch up on tablet habit. What's that been uh, doing lately? What, what You've shifted a couple of times and mm-hmm, what, what's mm-hmm. going on with tablet habit? Uh, I'm happy to say it's found a home. Um, it's it's been at tablethabit.com for the most part for late, but um, I can't remember the last time where I was last time I was on the show. But for those of you that don't know, Tablet Habit is a weekly newsletter I put out uh, that goes. It's free, and you can sign up for free uh, and and be a part of it. But it's a weekly newsletter I put out of original stuff that I write, workflow of the week, uh, link 
thanks of all the cool iPad and iOS and iPadOS related things and productivity related things that uh, are interested me. And it just goes out once a week to you and, you know, you can read it and, you know, digest it and everything else. But it's a newsletter that I do. But to go into kind of uh, inside baseball with it, I had been moving around different platforms for a while. I, um, I was originally on WordPress and that was fine. Um, but I wanted to go and do a newsletter thing. And, uh, you know, one option that came up was Substack. And if you don't know, Substack is just a very easy newsletter creation place that you can, you know, possibly monetize your newsletter if you so choose. And it's got a really cool system and really easy to use. And, you know, you can get started in like 10 minutes. How iPad friendly is Substack? I've honestly played around with it. You know what? It's primarily a web app and thankfully with the the huge differences that I, apple has made to make the safari work better on ipad as like a desktop yeah system works great and the trackpad kind of takes care of any mousing that the web app would need yeah yeah for sure i mean i i, I have the magic keyboard on my 11 inch ipad pro uh and i love it i love it love yeah. it love it but if, even if you use like a bluetooth mouse you can get away with pretty much anything on the ipad when it comes to like precise pointing devices um and it works out really well but yeah it's, it's a really good WYSIWYG editor uh what you see is what you get and it works out really well um there are a couple of glitches here and there where like the cursor might go away but you could just very quickly save your draft or whatever you're working on and refresh it and it usually fixes the problem that's the only glitch i've had and uh but other than that, it's a fantastic web app that just seems to work. I even am able to like edit posts and stuff on my iPhone without much of a problem. So they are really doing a good job on making a responsive and eloquent web app. So I hats off to them for that. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to dive into the tech stack, if I mean, if you got time, but like, I basically write everything I do in drafts because I can just create my own system of like how I want things to go. And once I write everything in Markdown the way I want to, I then export it as Markdown, run a quick shortcut that converts it to rich text, and then opens up a new post web page immediately, and just. Yeah, I paste everything in there and then I just double check it uh, much like you do on like medium and stuff where you can send a test email to yourself or, you know, preview it and send a link to somebody else that might want to be a second pair of eyes. And then that's basically it. Gotcha. Very cool. The announcement of subscription podcasts. Is this something as a content creator you're at all intrigued by? being in the Apple podcasts and kind of the app store model of uh, the first year of subscriptions, you get 30% or you get 70%. Then the next year um, you get 85. And Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about this as an option for creators out there? I think it's, fine i i worry i I had to look more into the details i just wasn't able to to find too much in you know my my late research on this because i was focused more on the ipad with things but like as a content creator i think it's a great avenue for people to go down and and consider trying to make uh, a couple of bucks off their podcast but there's a reason that tablet habit is still free for me like i can turn on the switch and make it paid like i used to way back when i first started doing things then i decided you know what i'd rather have it be free because I'd rather have less boundaries and get my content out there to other people. And then maybe down the road, once I have even more of a, a grasp on my audience and idea of what I want to accomplish with it, then I'll flip the switch and start getting paid for things. But totally. I think it's a great idea for anyone that is interested in possibly creating something 
they can still use Apple as like their main resource of like putting their podcast out there for people to get access to. Because like, I'm almost positive like every podcast app that is around is using the Apple ecosystem, like iTunes subscription kind of thing. As far as like porting into all the different podcasts that are available, they're still using that API to be able to like submit your podcast and then have the ability later on to be like, I'd like to make a couple of bucks off of this and be a content creator that cares about how your audience might react to that and like prepare for it and explain in layman's terms and, and like why you're trying to do this instead of just like kind of forcing people to pay. You were like, Hey, you know, if you want to get ad free stuff, you have to join the podcast podcast plus. I forget it was, is it just podcast subscription? Yeah. You just subscribe and, and it's follow is the new nomenclature. And I'm really, I need to look into this more because as you said, we're recording the day of the announcement. I'm going to look into this more on, on Friday and really dig into it. But I'm curious if Apple's hosting these um, premium podcasts or what the back end looks like. I know there's this whole new interface there. So I'm very curious about that because I believe you do still need to have your just free feed up. And these are extra bonuses, either early episodes or bonus episodes. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look more into it. I think it, if I remember correctly, when they added trailers through Podcast Connect, which is basically like the back end that any podcast creator gets access to once they submit their podcast to Apple and it gets approved, once you submit it, and I don't know if I think Podcast Connect actually was like disconnected for the day while they were doing this right. promotion. But if it's anything like what Podcast Connect used to be, you could like upload episodes and label them as episodes or as like a series and then Apple Podcasts would treat it differently or you can even upload one that's like a specifically a trailer and that would be at like the tippy top of the podcast list no matter what. So anyone that like shows up at your podcast yeah. page on the app can be like, oh, hey, there's a trailer and you hit play and you can get an idea of what the show is. I think that there might be some sort of extra drop down options when you upload your podcast through whatever service you use. And mm -hmm. it's kind of up to the content hosting service that you use, whether it's like Libsyn or Simplecast or, you know, whatever. And then you just basically define it as whatever Apple's API kind of asks for, or you have to do it through their own service, which I don't know, maybe we'll wait and see. But it's interesting to kind of see Apple join the podcast space kind of late, like Spotify definitely got a head start on them as far as like getting content creators to like move over and be only Spotify like Joe Rogan or the last podcast network. Yep. It's like they're starting to like grab actual like talent. And I don't know if Apple's necessarily done that or has explicitly said anything about that yet. But I think that might be a disadvantage for them as far as like continuing to get as many listeners on their platform compared to Spotify. Because I think Spotify is trying to grab clout and trying to grab trying to grab people that can bring their audience with them to the platform of choice and they like, have them stay there because that's where their content is. That's where their favorite podcasts are where Apple's just like, yeah, you can just flip on a switch and if people want to, they'll pay $20 a month or whatever. I don't know. It'll be a disadvantage to them in my opinion, just a quick yeah. like one-off thought after reading about this for you know, half an hour. <laughs> Their approach to me as a content creator seems much more friendly and what I would want from them versus kind of the onerous, we're going to throw ads in your podcast or mm -hmm. kind of different approaches that they could have taken or you're just going to get a penny and be part of Apple One and, you know. Yeah. yeah. So this seems like a good approach where you're in control and 
it's kind of like we have our own little app store now, which could be yeah, good for it's, us. I think so. Like, I think it's it's it's. Uh, I think it's better deal than what Spotify is doing. I just don't know if it's going to be as big for people uh, that necessarily want. And I also think it's like twenty dollars a month, if I'm correct, right? Like, I'm no, no, pretty no, sure no. That's what- um, twenty dollars a year, kind of like having a developer account. Oh, and then okay, okay. You as a content creator can pick whatever price you want. I believe it has to be monthly. I don't think you could do a yearly subscription, but it, um, you might. But you pick whatever price you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, now, so I could do okay. like a dollar. I could do a dollar a month and you get the episodes early through Apple Podcast. Yeah, that shows how much research I've actually done on the pricing model and, and things like that. I just looked they did at not the couple of headlines at all and in stuff. the keynotes, so this is all very fresh. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah it seems like kind of like an app store for, for, for podcasts, which is cool, yeah. Okay, so... So Apple is basically the Substack for podcasting now, which I actually yeah. kind of like. So you know what? I'm I'm probably going to write about this just because I have I have some strong thoughts on this. Cuz I don't know if you know this or not, but I used to do a podcast about podcasting like way back in the day. Like people could probably find it if they really want to, but I used to do a show that was basically like interviewing people in the podcasting space. I talked to people at Libsyn, I talked to people at uh, other hosting companies and and creators and stuff that were just doing some really interesting things. So like I have been in the podcasting space uh not just as a creator yeah and a listener but also as like a meta reviewer almost <laughs> for like a while so I'm, I'm interested to learn more about this i just haven't had the, the chance to just because it happened today and you know as apple is they they show you all the cool new and shiny things and then you have to dive deep into the the grit and actually get an idea of what the full scope of it is definitely so, so- is there anything new you've been doing with your iPad since we last spoke that you wanted to touch on before we dive into the rest of the event? Uh, I mean, I think that I have been slowly following Tim Nahumic's kind of thing where you make drafts your main computing software use. Like, you basically make your own uh, programs out of drafts. Like, I've managed to start making a writing app for uh, my my you know, my newsletter and creating stuff through that. Then I have another different kind of workspace set up for the journal. And I've created like different uh, actions and stuff to kind of just like start using drafts as like my main source of like every bit of information goes to it. And I've actually been like really enjoying it just because I am able to use one text editor for everything. And I don't have to like leave it in order to you know, add stuff to my task manager of choice or, uh, you know, quickly Google something I can even do that through drafts and have it open up Safari. Um, you know, just like I'm using drafts as like a main source of like where all of my computing starts Yeah, and you, and like could even, even end at. So that's, it's kind of like super meta for like what I have to do because I do a lot of writing. That's like my main thing that i do on my ipad and to be able to just be able to create things just as i want especially with the new themes editor and stuff where you can create your own theme in drafts that's a godsend for somebody like me that like wants to have different modes and different themes for different actions that i'm doing so like my writing mode has one set of theme and then my journal mode has another set of theme and like this is all basically just like taking what tim nahumic has like talked about and written about and just kind of taking it off on my own lane but i'm enjoying the heck out of just playing with drafts more and using it as like my main app for uh practically everything Hmm. yeah that's really interesting i love drafts but uh 
I'm someone that does like to bounce around different apps and have different purposes, but I do get the appeal of just having that single app. Yeah. I mean, as someone that's like trying to create like regular content and stuff like that, I do try and make time to like play around. But like when I want to like dive deep and start reporting and, and, and researching and writing for my weekly newsletter, I want to like take away as many distractions as I possibly can. And to be able to do that all in like one app uh, has been very helpful for my focus and productivity. But I still play around with like like other apps and stuff. I've been playing around with Craft as well. I know I said like I'm trying to make drafts like my main thing, but Craft has been in the works as well. I think it's a fantastic research tool, and I'm slowly kind of thinking about using that as my means of like using a weekly roundup or capturing ideas and then importing them into drafts when I start fleshing them out more and try and find a way to link the two of them. But that's primarily what I've been doing with with the iPad right now. It's like quote unquote new because um, you know a lot of the a lot of the things I'm doing now is all related to the newsletter uh, in my free time because I work a day job. But I don't really get to use my iPad for my day job because it's just like a you know I just work in news, so I yep. have all the tools and stuff that are you know given to me, and it's all Windows based, so it doesn't work out very well for yeah. me. But, but yeah, I mean, in my free time, that's what I do is just work on the newsletter. So I wish I had like more exciting things to talk about when it comes to like the, what I'm doing. But, you know, that's, that's my bread and butter right now. Totally. Yeah. Something I experienced was getting the vaccine. So something I noticed getting the vaccine was the National Guard. They're all carrying iPads for the check-in process and all that. So that was just kind of another fun, just like iPads in the wild and kind of different fields they're used in. Uh, That was kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I have heard of like some people that are like going into the medical field now, especially like like as like a resident or like even like a undergrad. They're like, you have to have an iPad. It's like a required piece of technology that you have to have now because they use it so often as far as far as like the onboarding process of like new patients, which I thought was interesting. And it's definitely something I want to learn more about. So if anybody that works in the medical field and uses it, an iPad every day and it can talk to me about some things without breaking HIPAA violations, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So anything else before we dive into uh, the rest of the event? No, we got a lot to talk about. Let's, let's, let's dive they in. They flew through this event. I was watching and it's like, wow, they're just going through. So before we dive in the iPad specific, I just want to touch briefly on this iMac and some like lessons that the iPad could potentially learn from the iMac. And okay. uh, the first one is just colors. Mm-hmm. There's... More colors in the air. Uh, the air is, I think, two or three like fake colors that are very wimpy and boring. Mm-hmm. There are six colors plus silver, and the back of these things are all very vibrant and things you I'd actually want to get. In the front is the boring iPad Air because kind of muted things. You're looking at the area. So I really hope uh, they kind of take the philosophy and bring it to iPad and have these nice vibrant colors on the back and, uh, you know, uh, bring that over. I will go on record saying that the color scheme for the iPhone 5C were the best colors that have come out in almost a decade uh it's the nanos probably on the ipod basically like and and the and the reason i say that is not just to basically say uh the iphone 5c was a great device i had one it was fine i loved the color scheme it was the biggest selling point by far with those phones was the bold vibrant beautiful colors all in one piece of plastic and like you said i think that the m1 mac the imac that was just released with all these colors took a page out of that book and started to 
you know, take away some of the the slight hues and pastels and started to bump up the saturation a little bit. And I think that that was a welcome change. And I wish that Apple continues to do that and doesn't, you know, revert back to trying to make things a little bit less vibrant and, and poppy. We need to have more whimsy in life. And if there, if I can have an orange iMac to bring some whimsy into my life, you bet your bottom dollar I will do it. So I hope that they do the same for the, for at least the iPad Airs, if not some sort of addition to colors down the road with i with iPads and maybe even iPad Pros. We used to have gold. That Weren't those the days? I know. I know. Those are the days. I mean, now we have what? Like gray and dark gray (laughs) (laughs) i just feel like it's just it's it's just it's almost like a disadvantage to want to get the most expensive product that's available in any line right now because you basically are told what color you can have and it's not even a color it's a hue yeah and that's it like it's just i want to have fun i want to enjoy my devices i want to bring color to those devices and i want to bring it without having to buy a case for it i want to just pop orange i want to pop blue i want to pop green i want fun and i love the colors in the m1 imac and it's a huge selling point to me uh even though i have really no use for an m1 imac right now right i would love to have a nice beautiful orange computer it's just that's my favorite color that's why tablet habit is the color scheme it is and i would love to have something that matches you know my favorite color outward yeah, computer. and they uh, went even further. The lightning, the USB C cable that you get to charge your accessories is Which color is coded to the uh, to the iMac. So there's six different colors of cords, six different Magic Keyboard, or I guess seventh silver. So Magic Keyboards, Trackpad, mm-hmm. Magic Mouse, Power Core. These are all color coded, and I'd love it if the, you know this kind of color thing could go to other products like the iPad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the, I haven't I haven't even had a chance to look at Apple's website for the accessories. I just looked at the prices for like the big models. But are they selling those mouse, those mice no. and keyboards and stuff separate? These really? Will, these will be huge collectors items unless they sell those separately at some point. Uh, that okay, that is disappointing. Yeah, I wonder if Stephen Hackett so will buy one of each color. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna have to be like a Stephen Hackett and just start collecting these on eBay as soon as they go on sale and just start saving them some money because these are beautiful, pe- like especially the keyboard. I would love an orange Magic keyboard totally. uh, with Touch ID, and that would be fantastic. I would love, 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 love that. And I'm disappointed now that you've basically told me the worst news that could come from this event. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Touch ID, and that's a huge yeah. addition to this Magic keyboard. And we now know Renee Ritchie kind of shared from, I guess, a contact at Apple or something, that this Touch ID sensor is compatible with all M1 Macs. You'll be able to configure the Touch ID sensor to unlock an M1 Mac. My dream and hope is that this summer with iPad OS 15 is that I could use this Magic Keyboard Touch ID to unlock a clamshell mode iPad yes. uh, that's uh, hooked up to a monitor. That would be glorious. That is like one of the things that I have actually heard more and more people ask about is that people are, A, using their their iPad as like their main computer and then hooking that main computer up to a monitor that's bigger than the iPad that they have 
even though the resolution that they have for the iPad does not usually match a standard monitor because the resolution of an iPad is more similar to 4x3, if not exactly 4x3, than it is uh, the 16x9, which is like almost every monitor out there in the world right now. That's, yeah, you know, I tried looking for some high-end 4x3 LCDs. Uh, there's not many out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not much of a market for it. There's only no, iPad users right. and people that only want to watch high definition '90s uh, TV movies. shows. '90s TV shows are like old school movies. Yeah, you know, that had celluloid film that was shot <laughs> in that frame. I don't think that there's very many people that are interested in that, which is why it's so. There's like nothing out there that you can get. But like people are using this so much, and they're they're ignoring the you know the the window boxing that's basically happening with this with with you know two black bars on the left and right side of your screen there just like not being used, and they love it so much that they wish that they could unlock things without having to use Face ID or Touch ID with whatever tablet yeah. they have. And I'm I'm blown away by as as many people that have reached out to me of like asking, is there a way I can make this happen? And I sadly had to tell them, no, it's out of your control. You basically have to ask Apple to do something about it. But yeah, maybe or use the a, uh, the iPad Air will function this way in clamshell mode with the Touch ID on the side button there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I just i i i think that uh, a lot of a lot of my thoughts kind of circle back to iOS 15, and we could probably talk about that more mm-hmm. towards the end because I have. Some serious ideas and thoughts of like what this hardware means for iOS 15. There's a lot of implications um, here. Exactly. And that's, I mean, uh, we can go into it or we can save it once we like delve into all the hardware. Yes, I, let's I save basically it have picked the end. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so that happened. I think that another way that people can kind of like use this in non clamshell mode but get away with it is that if they get the new iPad Pros that have like the new wide front facing camera, they can get away with a lot more as far as face ID goes. Does the wide camera affect the face ID scanning at all? That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious by that. Um, That'll be curious because it does follow you around, and I, I'm yeah, I don't know about that. I I hope not. I hope that it works better and like has a better viewing angle and everything else. But I don't I don't know because it's so it's just laser shining at your face for face ID. Pretty much, yeah. It's using like a like a uh, you know just trying to figure out if it's matching the face that was originally scanned. So hopefully that the the bigger camera kind of allows for a wider array of like where you can have your face. So if you have your iPad docked over to the left, you could just look a little bit to the left. And it's like, yeah, got yeah. it. You're you, and it's just like cool. It unlocks and, and you know you download an app that you want without having to actually interact with the iPad itself if you have it in uh, open, but like away from the monitor you're using yeah um so i i don't know maybe that'll be a, a a good middle ground in the future yeah and the other thing from the imac is this power adapter thing which is so interesting i, I don't know if this kind of tech of having an ethernet port in a power brick could come to ipad like you are plugging into USB-C or Thunderbolt, I'd love if they offered some hub-like power brick that has Ethernet and maybe some ports on that power brick they give you, or maybe that's an add-on accessory. I don't know if you noticed or not, but that's only available if you get the $1,500 version, not I the saw. $1,200. Yeah. And, you, and for the 1200 you only get two Thunderbolt ports, and that's it, which is which made me think for a second. I'm like, that's kind of dumb. Like, they should have more ports. It's an iMac. But then I also was like... 
it's about the same price as a MacBook Air or MacBook Pro even. Yeah. And even those only come with like two ports, I think. I mean, they'll sell a bundle of those at, I was going to say hotels as terminals, but hotels probably want to be plugged into like Ethernet and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ethernet is used a lot. Of yeah. Yeah. But I think, I, I think that the, the idea of being able to buy a separate power brick and being like, I'd like to have a charger that can just always be at home and be directly connected to the Ethernet and not have to worry about it. And you're at home and you're using your iPad as your main computer or, you know, your even your 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 MacBook Air. Like you could do this with this charger. I feel like this would be a very great universal accessory to be available for iPad Pro, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro and iMac users to be like, hey, you want Ethernet? Just plug it into your your power base right in the floor you never have to see it never have to worry about it that'd be fantastic i don't think they're gonna do it <laughs> uh yeah i i i think in long term i could see them creating some they apple loves selling accessories to the ipad so i could see them making some kind of clever dock kind of like this but done differently mm-hmm. and yeah I'm, I'm so curious about this uh, i'm trying to pull up an image of what this power brick is because it was like it looked like it had a it was like a breakaway cable that was did this end in USB-C? is that a brick that could potentially be used with other things no so if i recall correctly this power brick used a magnetic proprietary plug that plugged right to the back of the imac it was like it like it like magnetically connected to the back of the imac but it wasn't USB-C. it was a big round cable yeah okay i found it yeah okay so yeah Big round cable. Next to that is Ethernet. On the back of that is the color matched thing. So yeah, this does not look to be USB-C in any way. No. I, I do wonder when... Do you think this is what the laptops will use? Or is this too big of a connector for the new magazine? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I have to look more... Because I don't think it's MagSafe. Because they would they would say it's MagSafe, and like that would be. I think it's too big to be MagSafe. To be honest, I think it's a, a proprietary power cable power cable that they created specifically for this iMac that they'll probably use down the road, but it just won't be something that's like universally accepted to like the iPhone or the, even the iPad if that if it has yeah. MagSafe. But like, uh, I don't know. But like, it it should be easy enough for them to be like, here's a Thunderbolt version. And you could just use it with whatever Thunderbolt cables you have or Thunderbolt accessible devices that you have. Yeah. So anyone that has like an M1 anything besides the iMac can be like, hey, I can use this charger for everything. Yeah, because my thought with uh, the new MagSafe could potentially end in USB-C and be the magnetic connect on the other end. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, that brick could be used with iPad in some way. So that'll be interesting later this year if that happens. Um, but I think that's it for iMac as far as we can kind of take from it uh kind of looks like a little ipad when it's in a magic keyboard i will say just just real quickly about the m1 imac i love the fact that it all just fits in that bezel now it's crazy to me that's it's i I just i as a computer nerd i just can't believe they managed to fit it all in just one little section of the bezel and the rest of it is just screen it kills me it's wild and it as uh and it kind of it does look like a little a big ipad on a little stand i I know right yeah the side view kind of looks like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah this looks great uh, i kind of want one but i have no use for one yeah exactly same so ipad pro uh has an m1 chip now which 
It's baffling me because I thought M stood for Mac. I mean, silly me. <laughs> what did I know? Yeah, I wonder what the M stands for. I think the M is just now just synonymous with Macintosh silicone is kind of how I think of it. And uh, it's great to see the iPad Pro get the M1 CPU. It's, you know, according to them, it's, it, they say it's 50% faster than the A12Z, which is on the previous 2020 iPad Pros. It's a 40% faster graphics processing speed um, than the previous ones. That's so much power. I don't even know what to do with it <laughs> because they didn't. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I was expecting is they're like, okay, they're putting an M1 on a iPad, which means, which is great. It can do a lot of powerful things. Yeah. It has a way more efficient battery life now it has the same efficiency like the max got better battery life because they went from intel to this but it seems like not like battery wise it's same 10 hour battery that we've had for since 2010 true i i will i guess we'll see how because i think the way i think of it is that i think it's it might be more efficient with the high processing things mm. if i recall correctly okay. i don't know maybe it's just throttling things when it gets higher up i don't know we'll find out probably with geekbench scores and you know usage over the next few yeah. months uh but with all this being said like it's 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 Bigger, faster, stronger, all of it. Like, as far as, like, the CPU, uh, which is awesome. I'm not going to say it's not. But the question begs of, like, how come they didn't introduce some sort of pro app, whether it be Final Cut or Logic or even Xcode, which maybe they're saving this for WWDC. I think knows, we'll see this the in June. I really do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of where I'm going with, like, what iOS 15 kind of is coming with. Like, I think that this is kind of going to be the point where the iPad... In iPad OS, especially for the Pros and even for the Air and last year's Pros, they're all going to be able to use to be way more powerful with iOS 15 than what they currently can do with iPad iOS 14.5. Um, I think that iOS 15 has a lot uh, coming to it because of the implications that are being put in with this new iPad Pro. Yeah, like it's way faster. It's got Thunderbolt 4 now instead of USB C, which this might make me a bad tech person, but like I am still confused about the difference between USB-C and Thunderbolt. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. So <laughs> Thunderbolt has a lot more speed to it. And there's a lot of docks, a lot of like the more high quality docks will be Thunderbolt. And you try plugging it in and won't work on your iPad Pro that's just USB-C. I'm so curious with Thunderbolt if I could hook up Apple's old Thunderbolt display to an iPad now? Is that is that a thing? Uh, I think it actually is already a thing with the new iPad Pros if you have the dongle. Or actually, I think you could just do it. If I maybe I'm wrong. I almost thought you could. Based. Thunderbolt 2, I believe. I, I'd love to see that. Uh, it's not a great display today, but it's not like a rest of the thing, but it's a, it's a nice mm-hmm. little display. Yeah. So in the, the most curious thing, I didn't think they'd call it an M1 chip. I thought it'd be like an A14X because once you call it an M1, you beg the question, we can, we can um, run iPad apps on the Macs with M1. Yeah. So does this mean, because with M1s now on the iPad, seems like it should go both ways. <laughs> uh, you would think, but you would like, think. I think that, 
I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a, a matter of the iOS software, the iPad OS software is so sandboxed and so walled off. It's easier to take those kind of apps and put them into an environment that isn't walled off as opposed mm. to bringing apps that aren't walled off aka mac apps that don't have to like follow these sandboxing protocols and you could just download them offline anywhere where you have to have an app in the app store if you want it to be installed on an iphone or an ipad you know unless you're using some sort of you know offline kind of service that like very few people use and, it ha- and if you submit an app to the app store it has to go through this process and protocols and, and people checking it and then they're available because they deem it safe to be used in the sandbox environment. If they start saying you can run Mac apps now through I- iPad OS, A, it's not going to be every Mac app you can imagine. Right, because I'd imagine, I'm just thinking of it now, iPad apps all are, from day one, are all written in a more constrained codes. Like, uh, there's no Cocoa for iPad. So exactly, yeah. So there's more of a legacy there on Mac. So if it was Mac apps, it'd only be modern ones, perhaps Swift only Mac apps or something like that. That which you know, a lot of the Swift apps out there right now are either Catalyst versions of mm-hmm. of Mac apps uh, or iPad apps, and or they're just completely rewritten and like built from the ground up in Swift, which is great. But the they're not going to be that different. It would probably be almost like a parody perfect yeah. version if it's sw- written in Swift because that's like kind of the whole point yeah. of Swift is to basically be like it works with both and so I don't I don't see it happening just from a logistics perspective but as an iPad user I also kind of don't want to mix my peanut butter and my chocolate you know I, I mean, I, peanut butter I, chocolate's pretty good combo. Well, it is, Reese's, but like uh, recently. <laughs> okay, that's a bad example. Like, I want to keep my red paint and my blue paint separate. I don't Fair. want purple paint. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think that uh, the reason I like the iPad so much is a because of the walled off nature and not have to worry about nefarious things being done or you know whatever. Like, I I could it just works. Like, I know I can get a Mac and like if I don't download anything stupid, I'll probably be fine. But like. It's kind of a bad argument, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. now that I think about it. But, like, I just like the iPad experience more. I like to be able to work with my hands and touch things. And I worry that if we start being like the iPad and the Mac are almost identical now, then we don't have the difference that, like, people like me enjoy to be like, I like the iPad because of X, Y, and Z. And if you take away X, Y, and Z and blur it with A, B, and C, you know, then I start kind of feeling like the iPad has kind of lost its own place, and now it's just a Mac light. You know what I mean? Like I worry yeah. that that might happen. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody else besides me, just the way that I explained it so poorly. But like, <laughs> I think that it's just kind of kind of how I am. Of like, I want my iPad to stay an iPad and be, have distinct differences than a Mac has. You know, I want them to kind of stay in you know the same ballpark but different positions like I've, I've thrown four different analogies in this already but like i mean I, I hope i'm making sense in this tim i save me here i think i need a lifeboat uh totally and let's pivot a little bit to other things this m1 chip enables for ipad and two terabytes of storage is one of those things and that's a that's doubling from the one terabyte we did before and it's not like in the old days where they just get rid of one terabyte now it's two terabytes uh, this just enables Apple to increase the price point just a little bit more. Um, yeah. 
And this also enables up to 16 gigabytes of RAM and on the low end, 8 gigabytes, just like on the Mac. This is a major bump from 6 gigabytes on the 2020 model, and I believe 4 was the regular everything except one terabyte on the 2018 models. So this is a big, this is exponentially increased in RAM. For sure. Absolutely. And the first time Apple's mentioned it on stage of there being RAM in an iPad and in the tech specs sharing what that RAM actually is. Yeah, it's. I think it was a huge step for Apple to be like, and it's got way more RAM. It has RAM. Most of the time. <laughs> I mean, it has A, it has RAM, and B, we're almost tripling it. Or doubling it, or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like, depending on what iPad you have, it's triple, you know, <laughs> like, or quadruple even. But like, it's it's big to me because a they they acknowledge the RAM, and b I wonder what this huge RAM again. This is all like implications of what iOS 15 is going to have in store. Like, I feel that we are on the precipice of pro apps being announced in June at WWDC for iPad OS and new APIs for like big time, big app developers to start pushing out uh, premium apps and, and big boy apps for the iPad in a way that has never really been done before. Like I'm expecting Adobe to come out with a Premiere Pro full on version, a light version of even After Effects or something like that, or a CAD to come out with something that's more robust than what they have now for the iPad or, you know, something along those lines or, uh, you know, big coding apps to be like, like, you know, it would be cool to see Xcode be available on the iPad full fledged. You can create your own app in an iOS environment now. And not only that, but we also have, uh, you know, whether it be like Microsoft come out and be like, we have visual studio code coming on the day iOS 15 comes out or like a big time text editor besides Xcode to also be like, we are going to be able to work with you in creating the perfect developer environment for you on the iPad with iPad OS 15. Yeah. It'd be great to see all these premium and big boy apps be available. Granted, they're probably going to cost a lot because that's how premium apps are. That's how they make their living. But it'd be great to basically be like, you know what? The iPad is not just a big iPhone, which has like been the biggest thing, or like it's not just a Mac Lite. This is a computer. It can do all the things that you want it to in the OS that you might prefer. And we have the power behind it now because we've released the new iPad Pros that have the M1 chip, mm-hmm. four, 16 gigs of RAM, two terabytes of hard drive space. You will not have a problem using this as your main computer and getting things done because we offer the apps that are huge and can process and do all these big boy processing without flex, without having to flex a muscle because yeah. we have the new M1 chip and it's fantastic. And it's also got all the storage and RAM you could possibly need for most of the day-to-day stuff. It's huge. I'm I'm so excited about iPad OS 15 because it's going to have all of that in my perfect world. <laughs> but and we'll I'm see. so curious, 6 gigabytes of RAM, how that will behave, say, if there's a Final Cut Pro for iPad. Uh, the MacBook Air, there's a lot of people that have 8 gigabytes and some of the 16. And because the SSDs are so fast these days, a lot of times you don't notice it swapping. I don't know if on iPad, if will this become a issue of these uh, iPad Pros that have blazing fast CPUs still, but uh, mm-hmm. they a lot less RAM 
if that will be an issue. I think we'll I think it will we'll find out. I think that it's going to be along those lines. Like I don't know if you remember when iOS nine came out when they first introduced uh, split screen yeah. and slide over. Yeah, the Air, iPad Air two was like, what is this yep. thing doing here? Yeah, exactly. The iPad Air two was available, but the iPad Air one was not, and like that was kind of like the line in the sand of like this this is too much of a heavy processing. Thing that only certain iPads that are currently in the lineup are available to do this kind of thing. And I think that, you know, the developers of these big boy apps that could potentially come out with iPadOS 15 are going to have to, you know, do some quality, you know, quality testing and making sure that it's able to be used on not only the newest iPad products, but like find out where they have to draw the line and be like, it's only available for this OS on these models and that's it. Yeah. Full stop. Because I think that's what's going to have to happen. And then maybe on, they'll have a beta for people that have like a, a, you know, a generation before the line that they could probably try and see, and, you know, be, be like at your own risk, you know, try this and they'll work on trying to find a, a, a happy medium between what the latest iPad pros can do and what like most iPads around can do and try yeah. to find a way to like make it like a premium feature almost or or unlock with the new iPad kind of thing. I don't know. Because one big we'll difference see. between Mac and iPad OS is you run one app on iPad OS. So you could have all six gigabytes pretty much devoted to Final Cut and maybe mm-hmm. that's enough. I don't know. They, they put it in there for a reason. I don't know if it's just because that's simpler to just have them one behave the same everywhere. Yeah, I think it just I think it's just easier for I I am not a computer science person, but from what I understand is that if they are able to remove variables, aka the CPU, then they can remove, you know, they can they can make sure of like where the differences lie in how app performance is. So they're like, okay, if it works well on this Mac that has 16 gigs of RAM, but it doesn't work great with this iPad that has eight gigs of RAM, wherein lies the problem? It's probably a RAM thing, yeah. but it could also be an OS feature thing. And so to take that variable out for like the lineup for almost everything, I think actually helps both Apple and developers to be like, it's one less thing I have to worry about if I'm trying to make an app that is only for like the latest and greatest kind of models, or I know it will work with these models because they have the same chip. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And then something I noticed on the page uh, this evening was uh, four speaker audio delivers theater-like sound and support for Dolby Atmos. Uh, They mentioned Mm -hmm. this uh, for the iMac, which has like a six speaker array. They mentioned this Dolby Atmos line, which like, is this like a sound bar with like that fake Atmos? And then I saw this on the iPad portion also said Dolby Atmos. So I, and I don't know if this was mentioned in the 2020 model, if this is a new thing or if this has always been there and just this fake Dolby Atmos thing has always been a part of iPad. I wonder if it's, it can record Dolby Atmos because that's what the new iPhone 12s were able to do. Well, it was in a line all about the speakers and listening. It wasn't as, it wasn't a part of like capture as far as the gotcha. lingo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but I don't know. I very rarely have um, my iPad with speakers running because a, I have a spouse and B, I just like to have headphones. I feel like it's just sort of more my speed. I like to have either AirPods or, or Bluetooth headphones yep. that I have there over the ear that I use for recording, which what I'm using now, or I use uh, the AirPods. And I just prefer it that way because I like to have the sound in my ears as opposed to like in the room. But, you know, maybe this Dolby Atmos thing isn't just a a selling point. It actually has some sort of 
um, you know, capabilities, which cool if it does, but we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was very curious. Um, another new hardware thing is this ultra wide front facing camera with center stage, which is an API developers can tap into. And I think the center stage API would be really cool for content creators who are like maybe filming themselves for some kind of YouTube channel where they're walking around and mm-hmm. doing stuff. I don't know. To cooking shows. Yeah. You create it, a cooking show and use your iPad to capture that. It reminded me a lot of, um, you know, the gimbals. I think they're called Osmos. The, the Osmo gimbal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever played with one or had the opportunity to watch reviews and stuff, but one really cool thing about the gimbal is not only is it great to use while you're like moving as like a like a stabilizer, but it came with like a tripod tripod for its feet and you basically set it up and then it has an app where it can just like, you basically lock on to a subject, whether it be a person or a dog or uh, you could just lock on to a specific subject. It uses uh, some sort of AI to basically determine what that subject is. Mm-hmm. And if that subject starts moving to the left, then the Osmo will start panning to the left with its motors. And that kind of reminded me vaguely of what center stage was a lot like, which was cool. And I really like that. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like for content creators because, you know, we live in the age of mobile photography and people are able to do crazy things with their iPhone right now on, you know, like YouTube and TikTok and, um, you know, other video platforms. So to be able to add this to their, you know, repertoire, uh, it'll be fun to kind of see what happens. I don't have the kind of skills or thought process and creative outlets to be able to do that. Um, but I'm excited to see people that do and what they can make it happen with it. It'll be interesting if this comes to iPhone as just like a capture method in the camera app of uh, you capture a video with center stage and it'll use the ultra wide and some special stuff to like you just are standing yeah. still on a tripod and just doing crazy stuff capturing i can't imagine it not being available like that front-facing camera not being put in the new iphone 13 or whatever they want to call it or even a rear-facing uh, mode where you're capturing mm-hmm. for just content creation uh, type exactly work. yeah no i think that that would be a great addition as well especially like a, you know with ios 15 like they'd be like it's a new way that you can use the capture because I think that if they want to do something cool with the camera app, nobody's going to say no. Like, they haven't really done yeah. anything huge with the camera app in a while. Like, Slofy was kind of a flop. So the night, the to night see what, uh, site was huge. That was the Oh, yes. Site. I'm sorry. You're, you yeah. are right. That is That was a big feature. So strike that for the record. They have done some cool things with the camera app. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Just have but, a bad memory. <laughs> yeah. All good. It's uh, on newer phones, but yeah. Um, and yeah, it's an API. So this could be in other apps and I'm sure, and I believe this is only front facing uh, for now. Mm-hmm. I, I And I don't think this will work with uh, pets. I think it's just human recognition so far. <laughs> yeah. For now, maybe they'll be able to change that. A pet mode. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. And then, uh, 5G and did uh, they mentioned this quite a lot during the 5G part? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's like two minutes all about 5G, and they probably mentioned it a thousand times, just like when the iPhone 12 rolled out. <laughs> I'm waiting for the supercut every time they said 5G to come out because that was that was one of my favorite things that I saw after the uh, the iPhone 12 event. Yeah, uh, but no, it's it's great to see 5G being added to the iPad. I was I was expecting it to be added in the air, but it wasn't, which was disappointing. Uh, 
But it's nice to see that the iPad Pro is getting it because it will bring more versatility to mobile computing. It still kills me that the MacBooks haven't been given cellular options. Like, I feel like the MacBook line is perfect for 5G cellular to be put into it. Like, it would be the first, like, major computer to get some sort of cellular ability. But I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of, like, you'll immediately use all of the data you have available using it as a... 5G computer than or like the iPad maybe you don't but I, can't I think imagine. they're just waiting for their iMac like redesign of the laptop maybe maybe that's the case I, I mean I'm not going to complain that the iPad's getting 5G before a Mac but you know I, I, I as a user I'm just like it should be there it's almost it's almost silly that it's not but at the same time I'm not going to complain that it's giving the iPad 5G first and giving people the ability to buy an iPad that has, uh, you know, the fastest speeds available for mobile use, because that's one of the biggest selling points is the ultra portability of it and the ability to use it as a computer and uh, without having to need Wi-Fi. You know, you just pay a couple of bucks a month to your cellular provider and add it to the line. You got a computer that can work anywhere. At all times. I live in a place where my LTE connection is faster than my 5G connection, but I know there are places where 5G is bonkers fast and it seems much more useful on an iPad than it does uh, a phone. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of cell uh, stuff, I stumbled upon a data plan from T-Mobile that's like a prepaid um, once every five months you have to re-up it if you don't use all your data you get five Mm -hmm. gigs for 10 bucks it seems like a crazy good deal so i'm yeah just signed up for that and that's how i watched the the keynote uh today oh really nice on the the ipad brought it in and was out out about was able to stream it there and it has not updated yet because it's still oh it has updated so uh, watching the keynote which was about an hour long it went from five gigs to 1.3 gigs left so the the apple keynote uh has a lot of uh, bandwidth there. Yeah, especially. Yeah, I'm assuming you probably streamed it at the highest. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Resolution. Yeah, yeah. You probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you watch a movie for you know in, in five with with a cellular connection at 1080p or whatever, it's going to eat up some some gigabytes. I mean, I stream stuff through a Plex server that me and a few buddies use, uh, and and watch uh, things there. And every once in a while, he gives me the data updates of how many gigabytes have been used, and you know. It's almost always in the triple digits by the end of the month of like how much data has yeah. been used for all of us streaming this stuff. Um, luckily, he, he doesn't get any kind of like charge with it because he yeah. has a unlimited service for upload. So like it's not a big deal for him. It's just fun to like look at the data and see how much you've used. And I do the same thing with my internet provider and like they have an app and I can download or I can see how much data I've used and, you know, things like that. And it's just fun to look at. Yeah, Comcast... Uh back down on their east coast uh throttling or mm. cap they were initially going to have a cap and then everyone yelled at them including myself and uh they pushed it back another year <laughs> yep because i was well over that pretty much all all the months uh yeah yeah so yeah t-mobile they had this crazy plan so uh, i'm trying it out and i and as long as i'm not streaming video that thing will last me 
a good while, and that's a lot cheaper than ten bucks a month for for the other plans that are like the postpaid link to your account kind of plan. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one thing I like about like just basically being like, hey, T-Mobile, here's a limit. Like, does it? Do they charge you if you use if you go over that or what? No, because it's prepaid. It just, it just like stops working if you want another five gigabytes. You pay them ten bucks. Yeah, that's great. I think that's that's way better than like we're going to charge you a dollar a megabyte every time you go <laughs> yeah. over. Like, it's something asinine as far as like what what mobile uh, companies are able to like charge people nowadays is yeah. just ridiculous. it's really cool though I have a um, currently inactive Verizon sim physical sim in my iPad as well I, I use that and the Verizon process of getting set up with the sim is just hellish and I would never go through that again but it lets you just pick which sim you want to use either the eSIM or the uh, uh, physical sim and if oh. you have two plans in your iPad you could just hot swap between whatever day plan you want to use so if you're someone that travels a lot and wants two networks on, you know, ready to go whenever you want. You could do that on iPad. Interesting. I, see, now I, I mean, I don't really have a need for cellular just because I'm fortunate enough to be able to have good internet pretty much everywhere I go. But in the event that I was a traveling salesman or whatever, that'd be a sweet deal. Right. Basically, yeah. be like I have a I have a computer that works on mobile network, and not only just one, but I have a backup just in case. <laughs> yeah, you can get whatever AT and T and Verizon for the most coverage. Probably it's the two. exactly. And yeah, it'd be business expense. You just write that off. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, five G is really cool. And uh, the other big uh, hardware thing: XDR display on the twelve point nine inch, not the eleven inch yet. But that that was their pitch for this mini LED thing: is that we're bringing the XDR that five or six thousand dollar monitor to your iPad. Nuts! Yeah, absolutely crazy. And uh, this bumps the nits from six hundred nits to a thousand nits. Uh, in normal usage or 1600 nits for peak HDR usage, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but I frequently have my iPad Pro max brightness and it's not bright enough because there's plenty of daylight and yeah, it just isn't bright enough. So this is something I would really love to have um, at some yeah. point. Yeah, I don't I don't have that problem. Um, I think it's just because <laughs> if you come into my office um, in my Is it home, pretty dark? <laughs> no, it's incredibly bright. I okay. do what kind of like what Marco Armin did, where I basically got a couple of lamps and I got the brightest light bulbs I could find, and I just hooked hook those onto my lamps, and then use a smart outlet to basically tell uh, Siri to basically turn on the lights. And once it once Siri does that, it is incredibly bright in here. It's it's almost brighter in here than it is outside most of the day. So like, okay, for me, if I'm in a very bright room. My iPad needs to have an incredibly bright screen. The darker it gets, the more I can turn down my iPad's brightness. That's not the case for you, at least? No, I think, I mean, I think part of the reason is just, I, I, A, I don't like to be in a dark room when I'm, like, writing, especially because I write in the morning. It's not great for your eyes or stuff like that. It's not great for your eyes, and I also write in the morning. So I'm kind of tired, but, like, the super bright lights in my office kind of wake me up because they're blue. They're, they're like, blue-hued to kind of match the sun, which which is why I don't do a lot of things at night because I can't fall asleep. You have to turn them into red lights at night. Well, they're not smart bulbs. I don't have smart bulbs yet. Oh, that's gotcha. the next. That's the next step. I just yeah. went into Home Depot and like found, you know, the highest wattage LED bulbs I could find. And just popped them into my lamps because you know they're just cheapo Target lamps, but they get the job done. Uh, that's the next step is to start playing around with 
like colored bulbs yeah. and stuff, but like, like, it's, like it's uh, expensive and fun. It does get expensive and fun. And as a new <laughs> homeowner, I have a lot of other expenses that kind of come first. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to do, I have to kind of teeter totter on, you know, what things I play with and what things I have to, you know, fix in my home. Uh, so I, uh, I do that. I, I, I think that. Uh, I don't have that problem with my screen. Maybe I'm just able to adjust my eyes to whatever brightness it has. It's definitely above the 50% mark, but I rarely put it at full 100%. Like that kind of the idea of that just like burns my eyes. Maybe I'm just, <laughs> maybe I'm just so used to like saving battery and stuff. Cause I do the same thing with my iPhone. I basically, I don't go above the 75% brightness on okay. my iPhone, even in like, unless I'm like out in about yeah. at like the, you know, at the zoo or, you know, a baseball game, or whatever, where sure. it's like really bright, yeah. then, you know, I will, but rarely do I do that. Like I have okay. to manually bring the brightness down because I just, A, have a battery saving thing to my brain where I'm like, the lower the brightness, the better the battery life kind of thing. Even though I have an iPhone 12 Pro Max that like barely hits 50% by the time I go to bed, I still have this in my head from when I had an iPhone 5C. Sure. So, so uh, beyond the brightness levels, does this display are you excited by this thing i mean this is like the professional level that they were sharing how like if you're a videographer you could be looking at the footage out there and be confident what you're seeing yeah. is real i am excited um they did the they did the same thing with xdr where they're like comparing this six thousand dollar monitor to 16 to twenty six thousand yeah. dollar monitors but then like professionals that like are used to like color grading and stuff are basically we're basically like the xdr does not hold water with what they're saying comparing these to these monitors because it just they just they don't compare they're incomparable because the xdr screen while it's amazing still isn't close to what these like high-end screens were being used for so i'm Mm -hmm. kind of skeptical when it comes to like you can use this for filming or you can use this for videography i'm sure it's a fantastic display probably even better display than any tablet on the market that people are using as you know using it for like dailies or if you don't know what those are it's basically like the the shots that they used in the day and they put in on a tablet and they play it out which is cool and if they can play it out in full resolution and had the best color green that any tablet has ever had fantastic i'm not going to complain about that i am skeptical when they're like it's 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 going to be industry standard for filming for filmmaking because as much as apple wants to say they're in the film space and they want to do cool things for filmmakers red and other like like high-end specifically for filmmaking companies have already made high resolution screens that kind of do this so We'll see what the experts have to say. I'm not an expert myself, nor do I, pl- you know, try to be one. But like, I, 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 I'm excited about the screen as far as like them pushing the envelope of what the iPad can have and what it can show for, for viewing. I'm just skeptical as to you know when they start bringing up filmmaking in general because mm-hmm. they've already done that once and they kind of got flack for it from the industry. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a beautiful display. I watch a ton of movies on my iPad because I don't have. Oh, don't get me wrong. If I had that, if I had the twelve point nine inch with that display, I would absolutely watch every one of my favorite films and just be in awe because I have a ten eighty p television that is a few years old. I'm happy with it. I have no interest in buying a four k television right now, Mm -hmm. and I have a ten eighty p monitor that I use when I'm on my iPad uh, at my desk. Like it's 
that's nowhere near to the screen caliber that my current 2020 11 inch iPad pro can give. Yeah. And I find myself watching videos and movies on that with headphones on than I do on my television just because I like the, I like the the screen on it. And if I had that on a 12.9 inch iPad that had the liquid retina XDR display, you bet your bottom dollar. I would have bought every (laughs) HDR movie I can and watch it, it because it, yeah. it would be fantastic. Watching Kill Bill on that kind of screen, oh, don't get me started. I would love to watch it. So, yeah. so I just I I'm skeptical when they start saying it's going to be, uh, you know, a great screen comparison for like color grading or whatever. Yeah, I wonder if people will make a decal for the back to put the holes in to make it <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure some sort of decal company is already working on that right and and all the tryptophobia people are gonna lose their minds <laughs> totally <laughs> i forgot to mention when we talked about 5g that an odd thing that i've never seen for ipads is uh just like the iphone 12s they're doing a 200 dollar credit if you get a 5g ipad and activate it with the carrier for T-Mobile, they would give me some kind of virtual gift card of $200. It's it's oh. like the special offers thing of uh, the iPhones that, that, you know, the price went up a little bit. And uh, and the price did go up um, a little bit as well going to 5G. And instead of a $150 upgrade, it's now $200. Um, but with if you activate it, it makes it free. So that's kind yeah. of a really big deal. Yeah, that's that's cool. I wonder if that's just like one of those things that kind of pops up as far as like the other section of services because I wonder if there's like some sort of back-end deal with Apple and these mobile carriers of just like, you know, if you do this then we'll we'll give you X amount of a percentage or something like yeah. that. The carriers um, love 5G, so I, I wonder if it's just like get get everybody on 5G. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, every every mobile carrier right now is trying to get more people on their 5G plans than any other so they can start using it in their marketing. If, like, we have more 5G users than any other mobile carrier out there, you know, whatever. Um, and the more people they get on with that, the more money that they're going to be able to use towards upgrading their 5G. It's like this whole cycle of just, like, you give them money every month for 5G, it gets better because everyone's giving them money to upgrade these towers to 5G. And, you know, it's going to get better and better for everyone involved once they start you know paying with their with their uh wallet but like i don't know it's cool to see that apple's doing that i think that that's a fantastic deal i didn't know about that i never knew that was a thing to be totally honest with you because i've had the iphone forever program since i was a sprint user before i got purchased by t-mobile okay i've just always been doing that Good place over here. I like T-Mobile. T-Mobile's actually been really good for me <laughs> since I've moved. It's a fantastic service area yeah. for me. Good. Yeah. That's what that's what I have. So, uh pricing. There's a lot of pricing stuff I just want to dig into. Um Yeah. $2 price increase per month on Apple Care Plus on the 12.9. It goes from 6 to $8. So that's over time substantial for the XDR upgrade. That's a big deal, I think. Um, that I've not seen really reported much, but I have the monthly Apple Care Plus on my iPad. I feel good about that because it also covers the accessories. Mm-hmm. But uh, 8 bucks that's that's like a Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you think about it this way, you were going to pay 6 bucks anyway. I was. So yeah. you're basically paying $24 extra a year year and and the way i look at it is that if i have to pay 24 dollars a year to have peace of mind that i don't have to pay 1200 to fix this screen i only have to pay 50 dollars to yeah. fix this screen the return if anything were to happen would be 
it would always be there. I would never not be happy with my decision to do that. Even yeah. if it was five years down the road and I still have this iPad 12 and I've been paying Apple Care Plus on it, you know, if I had to pay for five years, that's what, 125 bucks, not even? Mm-hmm. Totally. Even if I break the screen then, I'm still saving a bunch of money. Oh, yeah. Because there's no way that this screen is cheap to replace. And there's no way it doesn't take a bunch of uh, heat and anti-glue and then re-gluing these things. I'm assuming I, they to just give me a all. brand new one. <laughs> I'm, I mean, Ugh. if I have to pay an extra $125 over five years to make that happen, so be it. I'm yeah. more than happy to pay it because it's not that much more. That's why I was able to make the jump from $0.99 cents a month to like $3 a month on my iCloud because I got way more storage that way. It was a no-brainer for me to do it. And I mean, that's how Apple services get you is that it's a pretty easy jump to pay, but you're paying them triple the amount of money or in this case, what, like 25% more. Yeah. So, you know, they're making more money off of you in the long run. But if I am able to afford that and to pay for peace of mind, I'm happy to do it. That's why I pay the $28 a month I have for my security system. I hope I never need it, but the moment I do, I'm going to be happy. I have it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's funny, the day the Apple event was announced uh, as being a thing, I uh, I lost my one and only uh, key to the car I drive. And, uh, oh, no. It's just it's hilarious because this is the event AirTags was announced. So I, I had to get whatever a key made for whatever <laughs> 200 bucks or whatever it was. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm getting an AirTag. I hope I have to never use it. But it's just kind of, uh, you know, the irony is just, it's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, AirTags is awesome, by the way. I, I don't know if you want to dive into that now. Or just briefly, late, I'm but... surprised they're so cheap at whatever, 25 bucks. Yeah, my biggest thing was that they're 30 bucks a pop or you can get four for 100 yeah and the user replaceable battery so it's not like you're throwing these out Uh, yeah that was my other thing is that it's user replaceable battery so like it's fantastic it's way better than any tile ever because you don't have to buy it you have to buy a tile every year and because the battery just dies and you can't like replace it and you just chuck it like from an environmental standpoint that's awful but from a user standpoint it's even dumber are these about the same are these about the same prices tiles i think so they're comparable i mean i think a tile is like 20 bucks or something like that i don't know yeah i know i so i saw the pricing it's like oh and then i saw the apple's pricing of the accessories and that's where they're going to make their money on air tags is the the keychain and the little uh things that hold your air tags in because it's the same price basically yeah, the Hermes thing is is wackadoodle high pricing. It's yeah. like what three hundred bucks for yeah. a for a Hermes. It's insane. Um, quick follow up. Uh, you can get a tile perfect pair for fifty five dollars. So they're about the same price. Okay. Yeah, they're comparable, and it's cool to be able to say to see the air the air tags be available not only for uh, customizability because you can basically use like any emoji or or San Francisco icon that they have. Um, cause that's fun and cool. But it, like I said, like it's easy to replace the battery and be able to use it over way longer of a period. Um, and I'm happy to see that be available, but those are my two things is, are you going to use these in anything? I'm sure I'll get one for my keys and I'll get another one for, uh, like I have a, I have a pair of keys at my house that have different, like I have a, a master lock on my shed to keep all my my yard work stuff locked away yeah. i'll have one for that i'll have one for my keys i'll probably use another one for my backpack that i use to take my ipad everywhere because if that goes somewhere um i can track it and hopefully find it um it'd be fun to have a uh, 
you know, people have keys to their house or whatever. It'd be fun if a guest is coming over, you could grant access to an air tag. It's like, here's the air tag. Go find the key. <laughs> they buried in the yard. That would be fun. I, I, you know what? I guarantee you someone's going to be like, we use the air tag as a treasure hunting thing. <laughs> right. That would be so much fun. If you have a kid that's like yeah. six or seven and you basically like bury a yep. thing of treasure with like a bunch of nickels or quarters in yeah. it or something in like a f- actual treasure chest and then you put an air tag in it and you go, what is this? And then you show your kid and then you use the 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 tracking thing that they have where it's like 12 paces to the left or whatever yeah. and and use it as a way to kind of like find buried treasure that would be so much fun totally back to pricing on ipad stuff yeah the pricing is a bit higher than it was before a hundred bucks on the low end um mm-hmm. so not a huge jump for the 12.9 but they're doing some things with bundling in the ram once you make that terabyte jump so one terabyte was 14.99 now it's uh 17.99. Ooh. Um so it's a $300 jump in the uh to get that. And basically what they're doing is they're bundling in the RAM which is um so on the Mac it's 200 bucks to upgrade your RAM from mm-hmm. 8 to 16. And as I looked in the pricing, they're basically doing the same thing here. So like a MacBook Air to jump from five twelve to one terabyte, it's two hundred bucks. To jump okay. from eight to sixteen gigabytes, it's another two hundred bucks. So basically four hundred bucks. And iPad Pro is that same four hundred dollar difference. If I'm looking at it, uh, let me pull it up now. Um, but yeah, you're basically to get, go from five twelve, which is eight gigabytes on the uh, the RAM side, you're you're jumping okay so yeah you jump from 13.99 to 17.99 so it's 400 dollars price jump to get the one terabyte but you're also getting that ram so it's yeah it's the same same 400 bucks but uh mm-hmm. you don't get to pick uh, how much ram you get yeah you really want to make sure you're you're getting what you want if you're going to start spending that kind of money um i guess i didn't realize that that was so that's how much it costs to upgrade for the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. Um, I mean, it makes sense in Apple's weird way because if you were to tell somebody, <laughs> here's here's two sticks of eight gigabytes of RAM, but for two hundred dollars more, you can get two different sticks that say sixteen gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. <laughs> so know? I I maxed out all all the M1 portables. Yeah. Um, Minus cellular. So the MacBook Pro, two terabytes, 16 gigs RAM, that's $2,299. Okay. And then the next jump down would be the iPad Pro. At uh, two terabytes, it is $2,199. So $100 less than that MacBook Pro. Okay. And then the Air, and that's $2,049. So $150 less. So the iPad's kind of like middle land of the it all which is just it's kind of interesting because um so the macbook pro you're basically getting a fan and i don't know is that it uh like you the bet the better screen is on that ipad um you, you get touch id and the touch bar still right that's still a thing or they get rid of that oh you do get the touch bar i believe yeah you get the touch bar touch id is on the air though as well oh okay yeah but it's kind of interesting on the ipad's kind of in the middle of uh, the m1 portables even with this xdr display correct me if i'm wrong but isn't there an extra core in the m1 for the macbook pro yes there is and that same core i believe is on the 
iPads. Yeah, I believe it is on the iPad Pro. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all the like. If you were to come to me right now and be like, "Here's iPad," if you were to come to me right now and say, "Here's iPad OS fourteen point five. This is what you have. This is what you get." And here's the new iPad. This is how much it's going to cost to get a two terabyte storage space and 16 gigabytes of RAM. And this is how much, you know, it's what you said, it was $100 difference between a MacBook Pro with the two, with that configuration than the new iPad Pros. Yeah. At 100 more for a MacBook Pro. I would honestly, and, I, and I'm, I'm a hardcore iPad fan, I would honestly tell somebody, if you like the Mac OS, you're going to be able to get a lot more bang for your buck as it is right now with Big Sur than you would with iPad OS 14.5. If you like both OSs equally, but you're not sure which one to get, get the MacBook Pro. I'll get the Air, actually. <laughs> well, if you were, okay, if you were to compare, I would say get the Air, too. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say buy the iPad because right now. The iPad still has a couple of things that it needs to kind of be worth that price at the highest end configuration, in my opinion. I think the starting points are still great. If you get, even if you go, if you bump it up from the the storage space, from like was it sixty four to one twenty eight? Uh, one twenty eight to two fifty six. Oh, even better. So yeah. like the storage space is like way more user friendly. Like if you got the two fifty six, which is what I have for my eleven inch, you'll be fine as long as you don't do like high end video editing or something that involves a lot of storage that has to be done locally. Yeah, you'll be fine. But there's still the lack of like high-end apps unless you want to use LumaFusion, which is like the only pro editor out there. Ferrite. Uh, uh, Ferrite is a fantastic podcast. They showed and um, editing stuff. Shaper 3D in the keynote, and that'll be the next episode of this podcast. It was really cool to see them on, on the keynote. That's a CAD modeling kind of desktop class application. That's, yeah, yeah. that would be exciting. That's cool uh, for for architects and engineers out there. I've I've always been fascinated with that kind of stuff. I don't have the 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 math skills to be able to do either. Any of that but kind yeah, it's a fascinating conversation to talk about that and hearing how people can basically use Shaper three D and go to a three D printer and print out from their iPad drawing this thing. In That's real beautiful. Life. Yeah, That's cool. Uh, so I mean, if if but if if you were to come to me after iOS 15 is announced, I'm hoping I can be like, you know what, dealer's choice. Yeah, you can get whatever one you want, and you'll be able to do everything you want uh, on the iPad or the Mac. It's just a matter of what one you prefer. Because iOS iPad OS 15. Let's get into it. Based on this, they're saying, oh, match your XDR iPad with an XDR display. They've got to be adding true extended desktop. Monitor, you know, external desktop mode where you yep. have a true support for this. That's got to be the big, the big thing. At least one of them. I th- I think that is a big thing. I think I I think it's almost guaranteed that either Final Cut or Logic or some sort of Adobe like high end app is announced with iOS 15. Yeah, I heard rumored that even Apple was saying in press briefings today that. Final Cut Pro for iPad is in the works, which is weird of them to say if it's not going to be announced. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I I do remember in part of the keynote that I that I saw that like you know like the parts where they have like all these extra tiles and stuff show up on the screen, and people like very quickly take screenshots and then tweet them out mm-hmm. for everyone to look at. One of the things that were like touting with the new M1 iPad was enhanced video editing experience, yeah, or something along those lines, which. 
I my ears perked up as soon as I saw that because I was like, that is an interesting selling point, Apple, because you have not done anything yet nope. for video editing. You have used LumaFusion in some of your advertisements and and marketing materials. Yeah, and Terry was I, on stage or virtually. Uh, yeah, but I have a sneaky suspicion that there's going to be another video editing app put on the iPad very soon, yes. especially if, if there's more rumors of like, people saying from Apple that the app is being created Do you think it'll be a subscription on. or a one-time purchase? I think it'll be both. I think you could buy it for $300 or you could subscribe to it for you know 12 bucks a month or something. Yeah. I, I think that there's no reason for Apple not to be able to offer both. I think that that would be a better option to where they could be like, you know, if you're a Final Cut user and you own it for the Mac already, we can use an iPad bundle or whatever, and you can get it for $150. That'd be or, great, because I've owned it since they released it, and I haven't touched mm-hmm. it since my <laughs> back's a 2011 yeah. MacBook Air, and it's just kind of sitting or, there. Or they do something, I mean, that's kind of like what OmniFocus does, where you can buy OmniFocus 3, or you can pay for a subscription and have access to OmniFocus as it updates year over year, or and you have access to it over the web, where if you do a subscription with final cut or a pro app bundle or whatever that apple offers you could pay you know 12 dollars a month and have it accessible for both the mac and the ipad as like a creative cloud kind of thing that yeah. apple would create instead of adobe oh as um and the imac they have a headphone jack on the side of the imac i saw i'd yes. love for them to take that kind of design and add a to the smart key, magic keyboard headphone jack on one of the sides of that little thing that would be are you talking about the so this is where apple's naming gets screwy yeah you're talking about the ipad magic keyboard and the magic keyboard the ipad's uh, magic keyboard love if the other side that does not have USB-C, if that could just have little headphone jack there see okay if if they put a headphone jack they have to put it on the left side every device known to man before the ipad or before the mac they created this as a means to be on the left side. That's why every headphone that you have that only has one cable come out mm. comes out on the left side. Yeah. That's a huge thing to me is that if they put anything on the right side, I'm going to flip my table over and just cry because so, they need uh, to... Yeah. <laughs> they need to move, basically... So they, they basically need to move the uh, iPad's internal USB-C connector to the left side and add the one to the Magic Keyboard on the right for USB-C and then put the other one on yeah. the left. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or just move the USB-C on the Magic Keyboard from the left side to the right side and open it up to be... Right. You know... But I don't, I don't, I don't see them doing that just because, no. just because a the AirPods have been selling like candy as of late, and the AirPods Max just came out, and then there's rumor to be AirPods three coming out yep. with the iPhone event. So we'll see. I doubt that they're going to ever revert back to the headphone jack, and uh, frankly, I don't. In- I don't anticipate them ever being like, you know what? We're going to bring the headphone jack back. It's going to be a great experience because guess what? Every other high-end phone maker, like Samsung, got rid of the headphone jack. Yeah. It is an uh, iPad Pro where you're hooking up to things over a wire. For like, I'm hooking right. up over a wire right now, but it's through an adapter on USB-C. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there are reasons yeah. in a Pro uh, hardware to do it. And yeah, so things we didn't get, we didn't. They didn't move the camera to where it should be. That's still in the mm-hmm. same place. But the center stage thing maybe fixes that, but I really don't think it will. Um, do you think it will? Like this whole issue of like looking at the wrong spot? No. No. Like, no. Yeah, they I think didn't that move if it. they yeah. 
I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if it's even like a thing or if they removed it in the the beta software. Yeah, the eye thing, where they would just be like, we're going to artificially move your (laughs) eye to where it should be while you look at the camera, which was A, frighteningly terrifying of how accurate it was, and B, kind of creepy, Apple, a little weird. Yeah. So I don't know if that was just, you know, because it got such a bad response when it was a net, when it was like soft put in a beta and like people noticed. But I think that they're going to try and do something like that again if they're ever going to try and fix this because I don't anticipate them putting a camera on you know the landscape mode. It would have to be a hardware revision to the likes of the second generation to the, to the 2018 third generation where it's a totally new design yeah. where it's not just a minor. Well, this is more than a minor upgrade, but it has to be more than a uh, refresh of this nature. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, I think that it has to be a total redesign of the form factor. Re- that redesigning all the internals, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. The Apple Pencil chargers up there. Like, there's a lot of stuff to move. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll do a pinhole. But who knows? I don't know. I can't think of a good good. There's. I think that one of the the things is is that there's no real good answer for Apple to like fix this problem. So they're just going to continue with what they have because a they've already created software to uh, adjust your face. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've already created software to adjust your face and basically rotate it in the camera sensor to use Face ID while it's in landscape mode, which they never ported over to the iPhone. By the way. Nope. <laughs> Um, so they've already put like time and money into that. And right now it perfectly fits the form factor where it's able to be behind a bezel and not have a notch. And then if they do something where they have to move it to the side, it's either going to take up space that was already being used in some other way, or it's going to, uh, be a pinhole that's like put in the middle of the screen and you have this weird dot. Like there's no real easy way to fix this without basically ripping all the guts out and putting them all back in a different way it's and that's so much r&d and money and everything when they have something that works as it is so they're going to start building different features and different things to it like uh you know like the uh, the front-facing camera and improving it than trying to move it yeah the other thing that i think is sad is we didn't get a second thunderbolt port uh yeah it'd be cool to have i don't think they'd put it near the face id camera uh, but you could have two on the same side kind of evenly spaced between the speakers i think there might be room there mm-hmm. like you have a laptop same side yeah yeah i i would love to see that happen and i was hoping that that would be the case with the new ipad pros that's like one of my biggest things yeah is that if they want to have this be a machine that is comparable to the macbook air and is comparable to the macbook pro uh a the software has to be brought up to it we've already talked about that ad nauseum with ipad os 15 but b they need to have one more port every other you know computer that they sell has at least two usb c or thunderbolt ports and for it to only be one you know, you're basically down to like a 12 inch MacBook again, and that <laughs> but was you like have the, biggest a, the magic keyboard charging port uh, as well. But it's not yeah. as it's not. I guess if you get a there's like two chargers out there that'll charge via the magic keyboard pretty fast, and it's included with the new iPad. This 20 watt thing uh, will charge the magic keyboard faster than like the other ones, mm-hmm. which is great. But you also have to remember you're asking people to buy. You know, an an iPad Pro that is a hundred dollars less than a MacBook Pro, and then once you add any accessory to it, whether it be the Apple Pencil or this Magic Keyboard or whatever, 
you're already paying more. Like, yeah, that's the, the, the price that's we compared thing. earlier about, oh, it's $100 less than the MacBook Pro. I add in the pencil and keyboard and... Uh, yeah, yeah, that gets fun. Yeah, you're screwed. You're way over, but you're way more over budget. Yeah. Like, it's actually you're at a cost advantage if you just get a MacBook Pro without the, out. Yeah, without the flexibility. <laughs> if you want the flexibility, that's what where that where the iPad excels. Right, and and I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm like, if you were to like, if I were to go to my friend who like is not an Apple geek like me and be like, hey, you can get this iPad for twenty four hundred dollars that comes with the pencil and the Magic Keyboard, or you can get this MacBook Pro that has the same configuration. And it's a MacBook for two hundred dollars less. <laughs> like, which one do you think they're going to pick? I have a sneaky yeah. suspicion that you're probably going to pick the 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 uh, MacBook. Yeah. Oh, speaking so, of the keyboards, we can now get a white variety of the iPad's Magic Keyboard, which is just—I <laughs> was so shocked that they actually created one because the black one gets know, dirty pretty easily. I was going to say, I don't know about you, but like my black one is like covered in dirt and soot after like a year and a half of use, and. Don't get me wrong, it's fine. I wipe it with a damp washcloth and most of it goes away. But I can't imagine what it would look like if it was white. It's, uh, <laughs> it'll have a patino look, like uh, well-worn. Yeah. yeah. I, I think white's a bad choice. I think they could have gone with a gray. I love a gray a would have been way nicer. Red. Vibrant red. Or, yeah, bring keys. the six colors black in keys. of like the oh, new yeah. MacBooks. Yeah. And, and like again, bring color to the Pro line, Apple, because you're kind of like making everything monochromatic and we need some fun and and, yeah. and spontaneity and, and wackiness and whimsy yeah. bring some color into the into the accessories and allow us to buy the accessories that aren't just bundled in with the $1,500 computer <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and then I saw uh, Logitech's release a new combo touch for the 12.9 and 11 and uh, I'm not sure what's they already had a combo touch was it just for the 11 previously or uh no they had a combo touch for both it was awful it had the surface like back end okay and the keyboard was crazy huge yeah there's a new thing i uh, i'm not sure what it is exactly yet and then um i just want to mention it was really cool to see william hearn from staff pad in the video pretty extensively he was on uh, episode 86 of this podcast uh that's the app where you can write in music st- staves on the ipad and it'll translate it to uh to digital notes oh that's very cool so it's it's fun as i interviewed these developers to see them <laughs> on stage uh yeah that's always cool yeah that's always fun to basically be like i know that guy yeah, i know that i know that, I know that person yeah. <laughs> it's it's always fun to be able to, to do that and and uh i'm i'm blessed to have met really cool people um myself as well and it's always nice when they're like oh that's that's awesome that they were able to do this so yeah it was fun it's uh, fun it's to like, kind of do that. oh terry from luma fusion knew about this uh this i've had coming out <laughs> before anyone else oh for sure yeah, she was For talking sure. about uh, the, what, what's in the iPad. So I go, yeah, anything else with iPad OS 15 that you're expecting based on this hardware and what so it kind of tells us? I, I mean, the big things for me is that it's going to be a, a great year for the iPad if the hardware is any indication. Um, I think that there's going to be pro apps uh, available by by Apple or, uh, or somehow showcased in the next... Uh, uh, WWDC. I think iPadOS is going to be much more processor heavy, and it's probably going to have a lot more u- usability uh, for multiple apps at the same time. Uh, if the new hardware is any indication with the M1 processor um, and the Thunderbolt change, which means it could be faster files, but also faster charging and faster everything that involves a port. 
And I think that iPad OS is bound to be a giant leap for the iPad uh, if the new iPad Pro is any indication. I, I mean, I, yeah. all I mean, it, it's like I, as someone that like just watched the keynote and like just did the research, I kind of feel like I can see the tea leaves a little bit of like what iPad OS 15 is going to have. And they Granted, took last year off as well outside of the trackpad. Yeah. The trackpad was huge, but that was um, but even before the major update. So, yeah. yeah. That was like a late iOS 13 change. And yeah. then they, they were just like, here's an awesome keyboard that goes with it. Yeah. And that was enough it's for me cool. for last year having that it trackpad. Was. But yeah, they took a year off basically from iPad on the major OS update. And they've had, they've had this like TikTok kind of thing, like hardware which is the tick, and then software, which is the talk. And I think that now we might be on uh, in every other year for both. And these are shipping second half of May. So developers will only have these in their hands for like two weeks before WWDC. Yeah. And I always feel that Apple knows this kind of thing when they release new products like this. And they... They, I guarantee you, they probably don't even have that many prototypes that they're using to kind of test out any premium apps that they're using or whatever to test out iOS 15 betas. So even as someone like me who has the 2020 iPad Pro 11 inch, granted, if they make things that are screen size only, where like the 12.9 inch has a bigger screen, therefore it can do more things as far as like Windows, mm-hmm. I get that. But everything else is the same hardware as the 12.9 inch. So I should be able to get all the benefits of iOS 15 with my 2020 iPad pro, which even, even if you have the 2018 iPad pro, you might not necessarily need to upgrade if iOS 15 is supported by that iPad. And I can't imagine it won't. Yeah. And, uh, we didn't mention 11 inch, all of these upgrades except for the screen upgrades. So, the price remains the same, except for probably the storage upgrades, which come with the RAM mm. upgrades as well. Yeah, how do you feel about the 11 inch not getting the screen? It's got everything. Got everything else. I think it's. I think it's sad, but I think at the again with the tea leaf analogy, I think the 11 inch iPad Pro isn't long for this world much longer, especially with the iPad Air being such a beast as it is with the A14 processor. Yeah, it's still slower than the iPad Pro, but not by much. There and is more differential a- now with the Thunderbolt and 5G and, and, and the RAM M1 and processor. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And I think it's great that they still have the uh, 11 inch as a uh, available option. Yeah, I wonder if they'll update it to have the new screen once they have more supply to do it. I wonder if it's a supply chain thing and they'll just like next year they'll update the 11 inch with the screen. Maybe. I don't know. I would love to pick somebody's brain at Apple and just kind of understand. When people buy the iPad Pro, what's the ratio between 11 inch and 12.9 inch? Because I have a sneaky suspicion most people are getting the 12.9 inch. I do too. But I would yeah. al- I would also love to be proven wrong on that because I I love my 11 inch. I think it's the perfect size for me. I don't necessarily need it for video editing. I have edited podcasts on that before. Hell, I've edited a podcast on the 10.2 inch screen before, and it's been fine. You could edit a podcast um, on the mini if you really wanted to. You, you, I could, uh, I, I could edit my podcast on my iPhone vertically if I really wanted to. I mean, that would be no uh, fun without uh, the Apple Pencil. No, it wouldn't, and I don't recommend it. But in a pinch, <laughs> it could work. Yeah. Uh, 
but like I don't do video editing. Um, I watch movies, but I get along with it just fine with yeah. the eleven inch screen. Um, I enjoy it very much, and I think it's perfect because I use it for work and play. It's my main device. So when I'm on my couch, I use it to play games or draw or write notes or if I have my magic keyboard handy, I will throw it on my lap and work and write stuff. And it's the perfect size for me. I would love to see the 11 inch continue on as a personal user because it's exactly what I want in an iPad. Yeah. But I also understand that it's an iPad sized iPad. Exactly. It's an iPad sized iPad. But the problem is that there's also another iPad sized iPad, which is the iPad air that's immediately competing with people choosing whether or not they want to spend the extra money to get the pro or to get the air. And I worry that like Apple's losing money because people are choosing to get the air over the, 11 inch pro it's a good upsell cause, though too it's like oh the, it is Air, a good the pro is all these things this is the same thing with the iphone 12 and 12 pro i feel right yeah and you know like i said i would love to know the actual numbers because i'm just extraordinarily paranoid that the 11 inch ipad pro is just going to be gone after a while and if it does but, disappear i can imagine them doing the 16 inch ipad that's what i'm thinking they yeah. basically keep the 12.9 but then that becomes small ipad pro <laughs> and they do a 16 or 15 inch ipad love, pro i would love a nice giant giant iPad. i <laughs> when i first saw the m1 mac iMac be announced it really reminded me of the uh surface studio i don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that computer i kind of wish that iMac was touchscreen and could like rotate down to the your table i would too i'm so surprised like, when big sur yeah when big sur came out it had lickable icons and stuff that was perfect for a touchscreen like i just can't imagine how it's not a touchscreen like I, I just it blows my mind that they haven't done that yet with the mac but who knows maybe they will sooner rather than later with the new imac pro replacement yeah but maybe i don't know it's it's a pipe dream in my opinion but i would love to see a macbook or an ipad surface uh or ipad studio that is a lot like the surface studio where it's just a giant touchscreen that runs ipad os and has a latest and greatest m1 chip and with ipad os 15 if they do anything with it they'll be like it can do all of these things with these premium apps and has a fantastic system and can do all of the things that you want with apple pencil support which is the best uh pencil uh stylus available on any screen like it would be the perfect thing for like comic book uh, artists or uh, people that work with graphic design, like it would be a great selling point for Apple to make. And I'm just kind of hopeful that maybe they do that in lieu of keeping the 11 inch iPad Pro. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't work at Apple, so. Yeah. And sadly, we did not get an iPad Air styled Mini at this. Point. No, no. I think that's coming, but probably yeah. not till next year. So I'd love that thing. That would be so great to have side by side with my uh, my big 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 iPad. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a use for a mini. At least I don't think I do, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a great use for an iPad mini that I'm just not thinking of. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay. Anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap it up? Uh, I think we kind of covered everything that I really wanted to talk about. They did mention some. I, I mean, I don't have anything really to say, but they did mention like camera use with the iPad, which I thought was an interesting kind of selling point. I don't yeah. remember them doing that with the last one, but I don't know. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that or not. I yeah, personally I don't. don't did but, they update? So. The cameras, are they better than the 2020 iPad Pros? I don't even know. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, they said they're better. So I I, I, wanted, I didn't take the time to compare them yet. It looked like the same array. 
I know the front facing has that new ultra wide, but yeah, I'm not sure how much better they've gone if at all. I I can tell you right now, the only time I've ever used my camera was to scan an Amazon gift card once. That's yeah, it's it. A great I don't scanner. use the camera. I use it uh, for incognito photos of pets that are camera aware on the phone but are not <laughs> on the iPad. That's one use. Yeah, and uh, it's a good like if you're doing multicam shooting. It, it's like the iPad's on a stand already. Like it, it can be a good like secondary camera to have. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. I've just never really uh, thought. I mean, I have the iPhone 12 Pro Max, and I feel like that's like the best camera in any phone or yeah. tablet. Yeah, of the 12 ever. Mini, and those photos just blow me away every time. It's like, oh wow, I, this is great. I'm still shocked. I went to the zoo the other day, and I took some photos of some bears that I just absolutely am obsessed with. I take so many videos now too. Cause Dolby Vision just looks so freaking great. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 fantastic to use. And now you can finally uh, watch those on Apple TV if you get the new one. Yeah. <laughs> you can airplane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I, I'm thinking about trying to get an, uh, an older Apple TV because I'm not going to spend $180 for an Apple yeah. TV. That's Walmart, just... they sold out uh, a couple of weeks ago. They had 100, 100 bucks. You get a 4K Apple TV refurbished. It was a great deal. Oh, no kidding. All yeah. Right. That's actually... They might pop in at some point again but yeah check walmart for good refurbed prices on Apple yeah because i mean i have a roku right now but it's like five years old so it's on its way out so yeah i'm glad to see that they refresh that thing the apple tv yeah. i just wish spatial audio was included that's baffling they didn't include that with the airpods max being a thing yeah, uh, yeah. i i think it's just maybe because the chip isn't strong enough i don't know it's baffling like spatial audio is like that's one place it needs to be of all places i uh, i agree yeah they, I they advertised I, oh you listen this is why you should buy apple tvs because you can use airpods that's one of the things they showed off of this private listening thing tv you didn't put in <laughs> spatial audio yeah maybe they did they just didn't say it i don't know that'd Who be knows? good that'd be good yeah. yeah i mean i i would imagine it's got the process. Maybe maybe it's just a limitation by the processor if they don't do it. But I have to imagine it would either come in a later. Maybe it's just like not ready yet in TVOS. Yeah, if it if it's in there and maybe a software update can do it, that'd be awesome. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, that stuff's really. Cool. I'm I'm so far removed from like anything with TVOS or Apple TV because I've never owned an Apple TV, so yeah. I don't like have any stake in it per se. Right. Where like I am used to using a Mac, I am used to using an iPad. I definitely have an iPhone. Like those, I have like a stake and I have like a claim and a care about yeah. those. I've never used an Apple TV. Um, I'm interested in it, but like the the price of entry to me for a streaming device is just kind of still too high. But maybe I can get like a refurbished one, like you said, with yeah, yeah. the hundred dollar deal. Cool. Well, um, we're gonna be folks find you on tablet habit they can go to tablethabit.com and you can see all of my writing in there uh, like i said completely free newsletter if you want to sign up uh would love to have you join and if you want to get a hold of me on twitter i'm at i am jeff perry um and you can even uh, find my contact email there as well uh, if you want to get in touch uh in a more private way so those are the best places you can find me is uh you know, tablethabit.com and I am Jeff Perry on Twitter cool deal well thank you so much for your time this has been great uh, chatting about uh, all these wonderful announcements from Apple today yeah absolutely Tim thank you very much for having me on well that was my discussion with Jeff Perry you can find him over at tablethabit.com thanks again to Jeff for his time recording this episode and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in to this episode once again head over to patreon.com slash ipadpros to get the episodes early and with those chapter markers and uh, I will be looking into this whole Apple podcast subscription thing and seeing if that makes sense as another option for those that want to support the podcast there. 
Thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.